Welcome to Compliance Pointers, where we take an in-depth look into the latest news, trends, and challenges surrounding information security, privacy, and marketing compliance. Let's dive in with your host, Jordan Eisner. So welcome back to Compliance Pointers. Uh, I'm Jordan Eisner, your host, VP of Sales at Compliance Point, and today we're going to be picking back up and concluding our Achieving NIST 800-171 Compliance Conversation with security consultants Chris Abicon and Drew Wilcox. So in part two, we're going to explore assessing your current security program against NIST 800-171 standards, laying out a roadmap for compliance, and Chris and Drew will talk about the strategies they use when helping our customers achieve their NIST goals. So organizations, some getting into these sort of things might not have done anything in this realm, right? And they know that they've got a, a maybe not a huge mountain to climb, but they've got work to do in terms of building a security program if they want to work, right, on the federal side here with some of these organizations. But there's companies that are fall somewhere in between that and certified, which is they have some sort of program already, right? Or maybe they've done something SOC to ISO, I don't know, maybe they'll have NIST CSF or something, but they they have a feeling that they've got some good posture, they got some things to work off. So what can organizations do to understand their existing program or how their existing program measures up to NIST requirements and what changes may be needed to become compliant with 171? Awesome question. Um, you, you throw out a bunch of different frameworks. Let's add those to the list, all the acronyms. Um, no, so so I think a good part of this is is really just knowing where you where you are. You can't really build on anything unless you know where you're at. It's like building a house. You can't build the house till you have the foundation. So, you know, really the first step I think is it relates to the topic of of 800-171 or or you know if we introduce CMMC, really understanding what your requirement is, and you will have that in your contracting language. So, as Chris mentioned. Or as I mentioned, the FAR clause at the, at the beginning, and Chris mentioned the DFAR clause um, pertaining to um, FCI information or CUI information, knowing which one you have, because knowing which one you have will tell you which requirements that you need to meet. Okay, that's step one. The second part, once you know what you have and you know what you have to meet, you need to understand the framework. Um, and topic of discussion is the 800-171, which is out there. Um, and that focuses on protecting CUI. It lays out all of the requirements. It talks about um, basically start to end point of kind of how all this became to be. But there is another framework that goes on to this that, that many know, some people miss, um, but we'll put it out there. It's the NIST 800-171A. And the 171A is the specific framework containing information on how you assess yourself or if you're a third party, a C3PAO, an auditor, like Chris mentioned, how you assess other organizations. Um, so it has all of the requirements. It talks about the different um, assessment uh, methods. So, you know, testing, controls, examining, or interviewing those three different methods. But the biggest thing that it has is it has the assessment objectives under every requirement, which could range from, you know, one assessment objective for one requirement or five. Um, per one requirement, but it will drill down on how you meet each requirement. So understanding both of those frameworks on top of knowing what you have is your first two steps. And once you kind of have a picture of what you have and what to do with it, you know, from the from the framework, you know, understanding who your stakeholders are in this process, understanding their roles and responsibilities so you can know who to talk to and who owns systems or who owns data or who owns different entities of the organization. And then once you kind of move on to that, understanding where this 
FCI or the CUI data is sitting? Um, you know, are you holding? Are you hosting it locally? Are you hosting it in a cloud? Is it a hybrid environment? Um, really diagramming things. You know, fundamental element of of IT really is is diagramming and, and architecting. So you know, data flow diagrams or infrastructure diagrams or um, you know, web flow diagrams for how things flow from one web application to the other. Um, those are kind of your three. We'll call those your three foundational steps before you can get this get things off the ground and moving in the right direction of you know 800 Yes, really from this from that standpoint, at least from the NIST perspective, and in this case 800-171, understand like to me, 800-171 alpha, so 800-71A, it's really the answers to the test, right? You're looking at like as Drew said, this is what an auditor, this is a third party assessment, this is what in this is what an agency will be utilizing to assess the the current environment of of said uh, organization. Um, but yeah, so really an organization should be using 8017 alpha, right? They should be doing a con review of their current policies and procedures, right? Making sure their identity and access management is implemented, making sure they have the applicable, applicable controls implemented. And really like a big one is really an inventory of IT assets to include hardware, software, network, data, sto and data storage solutions, right? So, you know, really that one's really important to me because most companies out there, most will not have an IT inventory, right? It's really something secondary until it's like for it's that audit crunch, right? Until somebody asks for it, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it. But really, an IT inventory is such a huge uh, maturity uh, practice that I, I think any organization will have any a huge benefit from that. And then, really, like then conducting a risk assessment, an internal risk assessment based on all the gathered artifacts as you as you uh, compare and contrast them to 800-171. And then really that's that's where we come into the gap analysis, right? So you you compare what you have. Let's let's call it let's just for simplicity's sake, you've got 110 requirements, you're meeting 80 of them, right? Um, make sure you're comparing those uh, requirements and really outlining which of those 30 requirements really need to be focused on and put them in that plan of action and milestones prioritized, right? Because um, as mentioned earlier, we, we've got to enter your self-attestation, right? Your your uh, self-assessment into SPURS, right? So SPURS is interesting because uh, it, it, the the point system is 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 weird when you first look at it. So it, the SPURS scores go from anywhere from negative zero, uh, 203 to 110, which means you've satisfied all the requirements, right? Um, but to certain point requirements so you have to make sure that you hit every wicket of a certain control based on 800 alpha so you get full points for those so let's say an assessment requirement has five objectives with within 800 alpha but if you only meet four of those you're not going to get full five points right so that's just one example really identifying those gaps and deficiencies in your control information that's what's going to bring you to that success and that's where that that's really where a lot of the work should be focused on. Did you say negative zero? Negative 203 to 110. It's oh, okay. the weirdest. I heard negative zero. It's reverse golf. Yeah, reverse golf, right. <laughs> We're going back to par. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. OK. All right. My head's spinning. Yeah. So as organizations begin to lay out their roadmap then, right, Chris, you talked about just then the importance of the gap analysis, right, and what that's going to uncover. What do they need to know and what are some recommendations you have, right, for, for starting on their roadmap, their journey towards achieving compliance? 
Yeah, so, you know, what what they need to know and some recommendations that we have. Sorry, I think I spaced out. He might ask Chris, you know, no big deal. We'll both jump in here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, really, really a big thing that, that you need to know and some recommendations is is understanding that this is a timely process. There's a lot of data out there in the industry, and I'll just throw out some, some time frames. Like, you know, average small to medium-sized business implementation for 871 could be 12 to 18 months. I'm just, you know, throwing out some numbers, right? Um, but... A big factor of this is maturity level. So earlier, Jordan, you mentioned, you know, somebody might do an assessment against CSF. They might have been running their program off of this framework for 10 years. Okay, well, they might be very mature. You might crunch that time down, you know, to two months. I don't know. It might just be some new documentation and they're good to go. Um, But, you know, understanding that it is a timely process and timely process is downstream of how mature you already are. Um, but th- there are other things that you need to consider, um, and that's budget related. This is a huge topic um, surrounding 800-171 and CMMC in the profession right now is, is how much this could cost. And, and I will not throw a Drew number with it. There are some recent articles uh, released by the Pentagon last month you know, talking about this could be anywhere from a couple thousand dollars for um, the lower end of 800-171, so the 15 requirements, or, you know, $100,000 plus for, you know, the 110 requirements. So, you know, factoring in the the budget constraints to this as well. Um, and, and, you know, really the biggest thing of how can you figure this out, we've mentioned it, a gap analysis is huge. Figuring out, you know, where you sit today, developing a remediation plan to figure out how you need to get from your as is to your to be state and just to taking a step back and, and understanding if um, if that, you know, rubber can meet the meet the road there with with the uh, the force you have coming against you to kind of climb this mountain. So really, it, it revolves around just, you know, how, how mature are you right now? Understanding this is a timely process. Understanding this is going to, to cost some money um and really just understanding where you're at to kind of build a picture of how much it's going to take to get you where you need to go yeah absolutely and really a big part of that is you know the remediation plan right so what kind of i want to dive deeper into a little bit of the remediation plan in the poem right so just understanding are you dod affiliated you know just just making sure that you have that you're making sure that you're creating the right product for your intended audience, right? So just kind of diving deeper into Spurs and see the poem, right? So what's interesting, based with this proposed rule, right, with for CMMC, so poems are allowed under certain conditions, right? But there are five hard stop, right? There's certain requirements. I'm not going to go into them in detail today, but there's certain requirements that, for example, if you if you don't meet them, you cannot create a poem. Um, so in addition to that. So understand that within SPURS, right, within within CMMC, there's certain requirements that are 1.3 points and 5 points, right? So, but you cannot poem items with uh, uh, that have a SPUR score of 3 or 5. So really, that talking down to statistics of that, right? So really, 215 of the 320 assessment objectives, uh, or you cannot Put in a poem so those that's about 67 percent that's connected to a five or three or five point uh, spur score so really only uh 33 or 105 of 320 assessment objectives can be poems so those are one point scores so just wanted to keep that in mind to really really focus in on those five three and five pointers based on 800-171 alpha and really make sure you're digging deep and making sure that uh, all of those are satisfied prior to making a poem 
Okay. So, safe to say you guys never worked in any of this before, right? You don't know much about <laughs> it. Yeah. Hey, just just well, a little bit of experience there. <laughs> a little bit. All right. So, it's clear you guys have a plethora of knowledge in this. I know that in your time here, you've worked with organizations on NIST, right? And obviously, previously, um, you don't have the ability to speak to it like you like you do without great experience in it. Uh, and other security standards. So walk us through, right, a feel for our listeners, how you engage with customers and how you help them achieve their compliance goals, right, for Drew and Chris specifically, but you know, maybe a compliance point approach to a little little shameless plug on our end. But, you know, just, truth be told, right, how, how do we approach it? How do you guys approach it with this expertise and put it into pragmatic terms and phases for your customers? Yeah, absolutely. So really, uh, we at Compliance would really help clients really with the assessment and identification of their current security posture, right? So we're lucky enough to be utilizing our GRC tool, Hyperproof, really to help us automate a lot of this process, right? But really that helps us with, you know, audit preparation really based on the requirements of the client. Again, they, they may not be, they, they may be PCI, it doesn't have to be 800-171, right? So th it also helps us with really cross organizational stakeholder identification collaboration, making sure that we're communicating effectively throughout the organization. And really part of that is that artifact discovery and production. Really artifacts meaning, you know, this could be proof that uh, or attestation, meaning that you're doing something in support of a specific control requirement, right? So really this this helps us and it can help the client achieve have a full picture of the current state of their security program really as it relates to overall compliance and really reflected upon their desired framework for alignment. No, that, that's Chris, it, it, I'll kind of rub that into uh, a lot of the, you know, once once our clients really understand where they're where they're sitting today on January 30th of the great year of 2024, uh, you know, kind of outcomes from that it, as it surrounds 800-171 or really any framework is, you know, um, really, really a lot of document development. This can help, you know, clients by we can we can assist with, uh, you know, system security plans, which can be written up for basically any any framework requirement that, you know, comes down the pipe outlining kind of how organization is meeting those requirements. Um, POAMs, we've mentioned those, you know, your plan of action and milestones or corrective action plan caps. However, we want, you know, we'll add more acronyms, um, however we want to, mm -hmm. however we want to lay it out, um, <laughs> you know, and, and in addition to that, you know, a POAM and a corrective action plan is kind of pointing out those, you know, those missing items that need a little bit of love. Um, Chris mentioned our, partnering tool hyperproof you know we can also kind of bring in uh hyperproof and and help folks build out a, a solid risk register um you know so they can identify assess and, and or assess and manage their risks uh, more effectively um completely automated process which is awesome it just promotes transparency right um mm -hmm. and really being able to do you know let's figure out where we are today let's put these documents together so we have it in front of us um, really, this kind of works in tandem with another goal of really helping clients understand their, you know, their glaring holes within their environment, how they currently sit, um, and kind of allows them to prioritize strategically, you know, based upon business requirements to, to align things that require immediate attention um, or future attention. Um, you know, ultimately increasing their security posture as we go, whether it be a three, six, nine, 12 month, you know, 18 month process and just road mapping that out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Really, and really piggybacking off that, we've got, you know, after we've done all the documentation development, uh, really we can dive into the remediation and really the program management of a client cybersecurity program. Um, really, if they've got any questions with implementing some of those POEM items, so there's going to be, we're going to have something, we can help them with implementing some controls, right? Because not every control is it's really dependent on the client's level of maturity and there's so many factors that can really dictate how an implement how a control can be implemented right and additionally we do provide uh, vciso uh, program maturity and continuous monitoring and improvement to our clients and really utilizing hyperproof leveraging that automation really makes it a lot more simple and streamlined Really, what what makes us different really is the uh, we like to, we embed ourselves intimately with our clients really to fully understand decision makers, um, business risks, and downstream impacts of security security implementations. Um, knowing really who the engineers, the analysts, the administrators are, really establishing that mutual trust throughout, and then really ultimately enabling the process from a growth journey together as a team, achieving mutual interest goals. Oh, it's it's. Solid points, Chris. It's it's really funny. You know, we've mentioned GRC. Let's add that as another acronym, right? Yeah. A lot of people like to like to joke that the the GRC side of cybersecurity is is all about Excel spreadsheets and and check boxes. But but really, I think you know we we don't really look at this as a as a box checking approach. You know, it's more than just checking a box of requirement. It's it's about ensuring that you know those we work with um, our clients our teammates really uh, external to us at compliance point you know as cheesy as it may sound can can uh, hit hit the windows l button to lock their computer close that lid on that thing and uh, you know go home at night and know that everything that you know they are doing in tandem with us as a mutual team effort is ultimately you know fortifying them their employees um, and their organization, um, you know, with a standard set forth by, you know, their leadership, obviously, of, of making sure that they're doing their due diligence of maintaining a security posture to whatever level that that is that's required upon them. Walk before you walk. That's right. That's right. That's what they used to say, <laughs> or maybe still do. It's virtual now, right? <laughs> but you can't trust your family. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Thank you, Drew. Thank you, Chris. For our listeners, if you've made it to this point, thank you for sticking through uh, all the acronyms, all the background. I think it's really insightful, really meaningful information. It's a lot of information, um, but hopefully this is a channel of communicating that helps it be digested a little bit, right? So thank you for listening. And um, if you're interested in more content like this, check us out, compliancepoint.com, plenty of blogs, webinars, articles and other things on our website. You can follow us on LinkedIn, um, Compliance Point. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Drew's on LinkedIn, Chris is on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect with us there. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a review. But uh, until next time, thank you everyone.